0: Fantastic to have you with us. We've got a really exciting topic tonight. We're talking about working with children and young people. We've got a fantastic guest for you. But before we get started, obviously, we want to hear from you too. So let's go to Dave and he can tell us how you can join in.
1: Dave? Yeah, thanks, Nikki. Hi, everyone. Great to have you with us again tonight. Uh, So a couple of ways, as always, to get involved with tonight's conversation. The first one is on Facebook Live. Just head over to the right side of the screen uh, and you should have your comment box. If you want to put any questions or comments in there, then please feel free. Uh, The other option you've got is over on X and all you need to do over on X is to write your X uh, and use the hashtag MHTV. Uh, And for anyone that's a little bit older, uh, you'll remember that as Twitter. Uh, So without further ado, straight back to you, Nikki.
0: Absolutely. Life changes, doesn't it? All the time. Let's come to uh, Michaela. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and introduce yourself so people know what kind of questions they can ask.
2: Sure. So hi, I'm Michaela. I am a mental health nurse. I'm an RMN. Um, however, I always call myself a CAMS nurse because I've only only want to work in CAMS. Um I could work with adults, mm-hmm. but for young people. So I am my job role currently is it's a bit long, child and adolescent. Psychiatry liaison, clinical nurse specialist. Um, however, I've worked in various other sort of CAMS roles too.
0: Mm. So, tell us a little bit about um how you decided definitely because you're so passionate and so sure this is your area. So, how did you first know that? Because I think sometimes when people are students, they're, they're still thinking, How do I know where my place is? How did you know?
2: I think mine was a little bit backwards. So, I always knew I wanted to work with children, I just didn't know in what capacity. Uh-huh. Um, and when I was in school myself in secondary school, I knew I, I wanted to work with with naughty children. I knew that, and I don't know why, but I need, didn't want to work with just any <laughs> any child just no. or children with problems. Really, no. um, I again, I didn't know that mental health nursing existed or was
3: no.
2: a thing. So I thought, okay, I need to be a teacher or a child psychologist. Those were the two things, and the teacher seemed well, it was easier to access. So I thought maybe I'll be a teacher. No. I started working in schools, um, secondary schools and primary schools as sort of learning support assistants and teaching assistants. But I didn't, it's awful. I didn't really care about the topics being taught. I only cared about the kids with problems, again. And that's what I was drawn to. I wanted to talk to them about themselves, not about geography or whatever it was. Um, So from there, I thought, okay, I'm going to maybe be a psychotherapist. So then I went Mm -hmm. to the and I did the... um, the M7 which is like the prerequisite you know to the psychotherapy training um and for that I thought I'll get more clinical experience and start working in a unit mm-hmm. start working in a cams eating disorder unit that used to be called Rhodes Farm
3: mm-hmm.
2: um that was a long a while ago now and um from there I actually really really loved the job and I could see what the nurses do doing the healthcare assist. I just I just loved it um and then I decided to do my nursing a few years later so it was it wasn't that it's I completely backwards then to what I was experiencing. I know most people want to be a nurse and then decide but I worked about with mm. children. I didn't know. Mm, I just mm. didn't know about mental health nurse. I didn't know even psychiatric units as mm. such for children existed like that. Um, mm. So that was, a, a, you know, an eye mm. over.
0: I think that's one of the problems, actually, that we have with a profession. We yeah. just don't know that much about it and what we do. So tell us a little bit about sort of your journey into being a clinical nurse specialist, because that's a, a very new one for some people to think about
2: yeah and I I guess in only in the last year or so even started to find out what that was too so so as I said I was working at um, the eating disorder
3: Hmm.
2: hospital um, for young people which I really really did enjoy but that was at at that point I was there for about five years as a healthcare assistant going into a nurse and that was my only experience of Hmm. of cams so when I qualified I wanted to work um with a wider range of um I guess illness um and so I thought to go into a general cams unit tier four so I went in as band five that was my preceptorship and it was definitely like a baptism by fire because it was just I loved it but it was also covid then started a few months later and the world was different and yeah it, yeah, it, it just it you can't you couldn't have predicted what it was going to be like so that was mm. my first year of of nursing young people weren't allowed out anyway that's another thing mm. I did mm. that really really enjoyed it but I wanted to progress and there wasn't going to be sort of a way to progress um at that unit for a little while so I then went to become a charge nurse at another um yeah or adolescent unit um again from there I wanted to progress and the only way to progress is to become ward manager which I wasn't I didn't really want to be a ward manager yeah it wasn't for <laughs> me. Uh, so like, sort of, yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah and I want to be with the kids like I want to be yeah. with the young people and I was thinking this is going to be mm. more about managing adults mm. um I think um uh, but yeah so then so I was looking at what other band seven roles even exist what is it is it just ward manager um and then yeah I saw the clinical nurse specialist and I thought that actually fits because I mm. have a very clear specialism and interest mm. um uh, I know I'm not going to want to work in any other area. That is that's, that's the area that I want to work in. So, um, yeah, then, so I applied, I got it. And I've been in that role for the last, like, year and a few months. Mm,
0: it's brilliant, isn't it, to find a place that really feels like it fits your needs, that kind of seniority. So you've got the independence of action, yeah. you've to ex- exercise your clinical judgment, but also not necessarily having things like the line management stuff, which can be really quite problematic, managing budgets and that other stuff, mm-hmm. which is
3: exactly that.
0: Okay, and it takes you away from what you're passionate about
2: yeah and I think with this role as well I do get so I get to be with the young people I need to see the young people if there are young people in the ward I need mm. to see them every day if they're in a mm. and E, I I need to go yep. and see them which I like and then at the same time there's still time away so it's not like in a tier four in a unit where mm. it's 12 hours on on the it's different it's very different it's I have much, time to think that way.
3: Mm. yeah
2: <laughs> yeah
0: mm. so I guess one of the things we were going to talk about some of the sort of like things are happening that are new in CAMS, and obviously when we're saying CAMS, we're talking about children and adolescent mental health services so for anyone who's wondering what the hell we're talking about that's what it is <laughs> yeah um, and I guess one of the first things that you brought up that's really mm-hmm. impacting the way that you, you need to work and the things that you need to consider at the moment is social media which has been a long-term bugbearer I think generally across mental health but also specifically I think with
2: children and young people so what's what's
0: going on in with with that dynamic at the moment
2: so I mentioned COVID and Mm. I think since, since COVID things have changed, um, with regards to social media, because Mm. TikTok begun during COVID and that's where it gained popularity. Um, Mm. and you know, TikTok is, I guess, the main way that young people use social media, communicate, it's quick, it's snappy, um, the algorithm suits, you know, it goes, whatever you are interested in, you say it once or you like it once, you'll get everything, um, which could be great if you just like looking at things about dogs and um cats and things but it's not if if you are struggling with your mental health and you type in anything to do with that all you'll be fed back is um similar content and damaging content often um that's my so that is a big part of even our screening process now if a young person comes into the emergency department one of the sections about social media what apps do you use do you access mental health content and why are you accessing it there's so many reasons a young person might access or do you even post yeah. about your own mental health mm. um, do you think it's
0: like... part of almost like risk assessment when people come in
2: yeah oh yeah it is def- definitely because it is I think it is a big risk factor we've had young people who yeah. have hundreds and thousands of followers and they only post about mental health content mm. um, and we even had discussions about when they're going to be admitted to a unit okay how do I tell my followers that I'm not going to be posting as much you know it's a totally mm. I would never have, thought I'd have these discussions um mm. and thinking through it because they might think something has happened to her if she yes. doesn't tell them um it's a massive part of her success because I think everyone has access to you mm. and um you might be posting because you're in a really dark place but there are people on the internet that most people, mean you know, don't have to take any accountability for what they're saying. So often it will be, well, just kill yourself then. No one mm. wants... You know, you want to die, mm. die. And that just reinforces
3: mm.
0: the way
2: feel. So it's mm. actually not as helpful as I think they think it's going to be. Mm. It's addictive.
0: It's a, very, it's a very complicated situation, isn't it? Because obviously it's understandable isn't it that anybody any human being wants to be seen on a really fundamental level to be seen acknowledged to be cared about to be known all those things are so fundamental to the human experience but I think at any age you can get into such a lot of trouble on social media when you're in a situation where you are vulnerable and to be honest we can all be vulnerable all the time it's you know I think one of the sort of tricks that professionalism can play on you is to assume that vulnerability is over there and it's not the case. I mean last week obviously we were talking about um nurse suicide and and, and people being under such amount such huge amounts of pressure and not feeling they can tell people. Yeah. I and mean, how much more must that be when you're still forming as a person and you're still um developing who you're going to be and you're in hospital. Yeah. So there's, there's so much going on there. Is there any way of managing it is it that people have come up with yet? So that is
2: a good question. Okay. On the, in the unit, in tier four units, I mean, okay. it's really difficult because you're talking about sort of people's rights as well. So yeah. if we all use our phones as adults, okay. and so why does being unwell mean they can't use their phone if they're going to use it appropriately? Okay. Um, and again, it comes down to sort of how old they are. Do they have their parents' consent to use it? Actually, who pays the bill? It's their parents probably or someone mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. if yeah. they're saying they can have it um there's only so much you can sort of police I think the way a lot of units have worked out how to manage not being on TikTok all night
3: Mm.
2: is to say you're not allowed charges the charges in the office so it needs to be sort of charged overnight so that's that's our main issue I think is if kids are using it all night Mm.
3: um,
2: and they are so consumed and they don't wake up then they don't access the therapy they don't Mm -hmm. go and then it's just a horrible cycle the other I think the young a lot of the young people do know mm. they they will say I, I know it's not I know it's not good for me I know I should stop but it does feel like an addiction I need mm. yeah. I, the validation that you get that you're not getting in real life because maybe your life is pretty crap um mm. and hard mm. when they get from strangers um so you're going to keep doing it we, we educate but then I, I sometimes wonder how much education is for young people it just sounds like I'm being an old loser you know (laughs) (laughs) we all feel that (laughs) yeah and it's like oh my god you understand so it's yeah yeah. I probably don't understand because I didn't have it I didn't have that I could just experiment with whoever I wanted to be Mm. on a small scale within my Mm. school of six classes or whatever it was you know it's not it's not hundreds and thousands of people judging There's no
0: permanent record of it no
2: No, no I Was a goth, no one knows, Mm. (laughs) no one knows what I was. But um, if you're anything you post is screenshotted, it's shared. Um, and workplaces now, those a friend of mine was recently applying for jobs in um, sort of the the prison service, and they ask for every social media handle, any you know, they go through everything. Um, Mm. and I do worry about the young people I work with, they don't realize yet because they're teenagers that this is actually going to be there forever, Mm. yeah.
0: It's very difficult, though, to explain, like, the future implications of a digital footprint to somebody who
2: doesn't see a future. Yeah, totally. Mm. Oh, totally. doesn't matter, yeah, especially if they are planning on dying. You know, mm. it sort of doesn't matter. Mm. Short-term validation makes more mm. sense than
3: mm.
2: planning ahead. Um, and I guess
0: as well there's a sense of connection oh, yeah. with that community, particularly if you're poorly, you're in and out of hospital, it's so easy to fall behind with your classmates you know and if you have a mental health diagnosis to have stigma against you at any age is really difficult you're let alone walking back into a school with yeah. people knowing that you've been away to a hospital it's really understandable isn't it to think of online communities for me
2: of course mm. um and it's just and some do have really helpful little communities that I've mm. seen oh god you're all really lovely to each other like you're really supporting each other mm. and sharing really positive um mm. detox or mm. whatever it might be I think that is that's not the majority but it is there mm. um those you would sort of encourage and support it mm. um it's interesting I've been talking with a colleague about it recently about how sort of connections are made through TikTok and Instagram and you know you see someone posting about their mental health unit and then yeah. the comments underneath oh I was there five years ago oh and what unit are you at now I'm at this unit and then it's it's amazing um the links that are sort of shared and within five minutes everyone knows everyone again it's a smaller mm. world now um yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. I can imagine as well that there are some concerns as well from staff about some of the things that
3: I said online oh yeah <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah.
2: <laughs> I've seen those things about me uh but good, good and bad sometimes mm. they're lovely and sometimes know mm. yeah, they're angry at you because you mm. I don't know well I, I said no right yeah rightfully yeah. so can I go out it's midnight well no it's midnight I have rights I know but it's also midnight and you're a child you know that sort of yeah. thing They're pissed off at you so they'll, they'll post and I again I'd have been pissed off as well if someone had told me that I just wouldn't have had the platform to share I'd have gone to my room and being like ah it's us put on Eminem or something but um, it wouldn't have been on the same level so yeah. filming staff happens um yeah. that one is diff- that's difficult to police because it's mm. just on their phone mm. you know, they're doing you're not going to mm. sit next to their shoulder and start looking you know it, it's it's mm. very short um and on the other hand you know young people have also been able to show me videos of staff sleeping mm. and things on their observation so
3: yeah.
2: that for me was helpful because that staff member needed to go home then and not work mm. with young people anymore who are a suicide risk so yeah. it's a bit of both I, I wouldn't recommend they do it but it's it's a it's a tough one because they'll mm. tell you something and you aren't going to believe me and then they've you know yeah it's a mix it's definitely a mi a mixed bag um, it's a tool
0: isn't it and it depends who's using it and what they're using it for like of anything
2: it's yeah, just yeah.
0: That this has so much unmanaged ramification still for us
2: and, for and them. I, I was going to say I think that's the, my issue I think mm. more so with TikTok than Instagram Instagram yeah the algorithm it's it, obviously it's still there TikTok yeah. is really it's just it, it i don't know if it how to describe it, if it's stronger or just so much more streamlined. Mm. It's
0: focused, isn't it?
2: What it is. That that's it. And all I get, all I get now is because I was looking up some help I thought helpful cams thing. No, all I see is past patients, mm. you you know it's and I've not, not typed their names in. So mm. it, it's it's mad how I'm linked
0: yeah.
2: to to them and I don't know how. Um via social media um so, so yeah I think that is more so maybe with Instagram and like I said they don't use young people don't use Facebook anymore so that isn't really unless they want to stalk they said unless they want to stalk you then they go on Facebook to get the the goss but apart uh, from the part, old people are out yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you on Facebook I'm like oh, you have I'm stalked and
0: offended at that stage.
3: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I get that
0: I get yeah that. so I mean it feels like there's a lot of work to be done there probably some really solid research as well because presumably oh, yeah. there are therapeutic potentials in this as well. Because if you want to talk to someone, you have to go to the place where they are. And if this is where they are,
3: yeah. and
0: it's already sort of colonised by people who are maybe not always positive, then maybe yeah. there's a case for, for joining in a different type of
2: way. Uh, definitely. And one of the things, I mean, I don't have the tech head to do this. I would mm. love if someone mm. could create um, a sort of a safety planning app, you know, so when yeah. we are... When I do safety planning with a young person before they are discharged, wherever they're going, yeah. we do it on a piece of paper and that paper gets folded up and put in a pocket. And it's never there's I don't think it's have seen again. So I'm always like, take a photo of it because at least it's on your phone somehow. But it's not the same as having an interactive app where they might be able to, the numbers and the websites I've listed, they could click on them and it'll go straight to that page where um, there might be a forum with other young people who who yeah. are struggling or where it's moderated. There's yeah. so much potential. I just yeah. don't know. It, but I have we've um thought about it within our team a lot because yeah. or they just pass the paper to their parent and I'm like oh, it's for you you know but I, it's not their medium anymore so no. the paper is it's nothing they're always happy like would you write it for me <laughs> I go this is I can but this is your your safety plan it'd be great if you wrote it and yeah it is yeah. So I think there is so much scope there is mm. so much scope I just think we're not there, yet. I've seen a few safety plans for adults in the App Store, but they're not what i would
0: they're not look they're not gonna look right. They need no. to be one I think specifically for young people
2: yeah they're not they're not yeah mm. they're
0: not the not. first time I saw something that was really well designed was um a project from Brighton, which was about helping young people advocate g p surgeries for themselves. It was so yeah. good, yeah, it, it was done by um young people who experienced mental distress, and it was about asking for mm-hmm. um being able to complain being able to sort of get your thoughts in order so that you understand what you want to ask for, understanding the yeah. rights around kind of um, managing your fertility, asking for for help, oh, it, was, it was such a good piece of work. Yeah. I mean, really clunky compared to what you see now, but sure. it really does, you know, for people who don't have an advocate, the idea that you could actually draw on that to be able to support your, getting your needs met was really, and, and not having to rely on an adult all the time, was really exciting. I thought it was such a good piece of work. You did mention, and we have started to tweet out some resources already. So I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about what is out there that you think actually is pretty good at the minute.
2: So what I normally recommend, so if a young person is is struggling, and that can be in any kind of way. I mean, that mm. I'd say the the most common ways that I would be referring to now are if you're sort of low mood, extremely anxious, maybe. Thoughts of hurting yourself or actually hurting yourself, um mm-hmm. planning on harming yourself further than you you have already. There's a few really good apps. um okay. So, the ones that I usually recommend that I like are uh, one is called Calm Harm and mm-hmm. one is called Clear Fear. And I, <laughs> I know it's catchy names. I forget yeah. which one is for which now, but one is more yeah. focused, I think, on mood and one is more focused on anxiety. And there's another, there's one for eating issues as well that I forgot to mention, but there's a a of them. Bit. Yeah. And they, there's all sorts of them. So I think there's really good mindfulness activities. There are things to help you fall asleep. There are um, lots of DBT skills, um, which mm-hmm. people like dialectical behaviour therapy, which mm-hmm. is really effective for young people who have these feelings. Um, so those skills are on there, which I always like and it's again it's an app so it's accessible mm. they don't have to mm. sit there it's not obvious what they're looking at they can look at any any time it's not a book that people mm. are going to be like oh, why are you reading about self-harm it's it's you know um it's more sort of private and then there's also a website this is probably more for professionals um mm. it could be for young people as well or, or families actually cams it's called cams resources that is I use that all the time. They have so many good printouts, leaflets, um, just mm. information really about, I don't know, everything ADHD, autism, anxiety, self harm, mm. mood, um, schizophrenia, psychosis, mm. um, in a really nice, sort of nice way. It's laid out mm. nice, which helps. Yeah, so,
0: it makes a huge difference. That's... I mean, young people are so much more visual yeah. and they're, because they're working on their phones all the time. It matters what it looks like.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think as well on there, which I think is helpful is there's every sort of diagnosis you could sort of conceive of, you know, they've got Mm. some sort of work you for and they often have it also for young person, Mm. professional and for Mm. for family, because it is different. You're speaking to a different Mm. client group and it's in a way, aren't you? So it has to be worded differently. And I think Mm. that's really um, nice as well. It takes into account, you know, neurodiverse people Mm. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you for that. I think, Dave, you had a question that you wanted to ask, so we'll come over to you. You're Hello, I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just need to unmute. Un- I've been busy tic tac away and sharing all the resources that Michaela's been uh, mentioning. Uh, I think one of the things I wanted to ask Michaela is... Uh, as a health visitor myself, uh, I came at it from an adult nursing background, uh, and you obviously came to the work that you're doing with CAMS from a mental health nurse background. Uh, and I suppose just the thoughts of you know children's nurses and kind of where you think the differences are in the the kind of the education that you had, uh, maybe some of the things you, you missed out on or some of the things that you felt were really successful about being a mental health nurse first so just if you had any thoughts about that kind of uh sort of prism
2: yeah definitely so like i said you know so before um this job where i now am at a big sort of general hospital central london um where i'm the i'm now one of two cams nurses in the whole hospital but i was the only one for the last sort of year um I'd never really worked with paediatric nurses before. I've just worked with mental health nurses and healthcare assistants who have a special interest in mental health. And so it has been a learning curve for me and I think for them um, because what they sort of say to me is "But we didn't learn about mental health. I didn't think I'd be working really. I thought I was working with little children or a child who has appendicitis or a child who has cancer, you know, really difficult things, but in a different way. Um, And at the same time, I think I had a lesson on on physical health um so there's so much I couldn't do when I watched the you know the Mm -hmm. pediatric nurses running around the ward I just think oh my goodness there's I couldn't do half the things you're doing and then they say the Mm -hmm. same thing to me so it's it's different skill set um I think I do teaching in my position as well and so it's the week after next actually i have another every often i do a preceptorship nurses um day for mm. um, the peds nurses and it's about mental health um mm. in, in children adolescents and they always really enjoy it um because like i just didn't know this and i i've always been worried i've been really worried about how to de-escalate someone what do i do mm. um because verbal de-escalation is something that isn't taught. And that in mental health, I think you're always taught verbal yeah. de-escalation is everything, and every anything else restrictive comes way later down the line, especially with children. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, there's a lot we can learn from each other. Um I think another thing that I again from working in mental health like I said, it's we have this sort of least restrictive usually um practice. And so if a young person is hurting themselves, I would not run to hold them i would try and talk to them or use like i said sensory items from dbt skills i'm going to try all of that first before i have to touch them because these young people are often traumatized they don't need another adult holding them um if they if you don't you know need to you've tried everything else whereas on a pediatric ward i was just so shocked because they were held a lot quicker mm. um, and i think initially i was critical of that but when i now sort of reflecting it's not the same setup it yeah. is a, a pediatric ward is not um, a secure unit with there's with there's nothing you can harm yourself with this is so different and I can yeah. so it was a learning curve for me because I was like oh no we don't restrain a young person why we just talk to them <laughs> but they don't have also don't have the time to sit for an hour and chat yeah. to a young person when they have eight other so it's um it that was that's a big piece of learning for me really yeah. um yeah
0: yeah. It's always strange, isn't it, when you go onto a general ward and you're like, "Oh my god, this place is a death trap." I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's look a at everything here is sharp. Yeah. Like if nothing is fixed down, what is going on? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I know. It's it's so it's it's so different. I do like it now. Um, mm-hmm. at start. I thought, oh god, it's so different. But um, it is. It's nice. I I do like it now. and The nurses are wonderful. Mm-hmm. I do, they. I, but um, yeah, they want more mental health training, especially the sort of newly qualified, the student nurses, the mm-hmm. ones coming into um, into healthcare. They they want to learn and they want to do things differently. So I just sort soaked that.
1: Michaela, just just to develop that a little bit further, if you don't mind, and it's it's kind of ticking a different box. I, Nikki, tell me if you think this isn't is taking us on a bit too much of a tangent, <laughs> but we we're kind of been talking to you know people in mental health nursing that have been really kind of anxious about the amount of time spent on mental health nurse education as part of the three years undergraduate study. I, I suppose you know do you feel that there was any time to get more information in there about children and children's mental health or is that something that it would have never fitted and you would have you always need to say that for after you know in your preceptorship and you know time on the job kind of thing.
2: No, I think you're right. I think it, no, I think it needs to be during university because if you start with that anyway, you're starting with why do people, why are people the way they are and people, we're not in a vacuum. Um, Let's look at their childhood. Let's look back. And if you're teaching about childhood mental health, you're going going to understand the adults a lot better when we talk about adverse childhood experiences. And that's one of the things that I teach. And when I go through statistics of adults who are sort of incarcerated, who are addicted to heroin, who have attempted suicide, then you look at how many ACEs they've had. It's it's quite clear. Um, Mm. And and how to deescalate a child is different, how to deescalate an adult and how to work with a child, how to talk to a child. Um, They see through you, you know, they they can Mm. sense (laughs) like if you're not genuine or if you. Are having them on if you're not actually that interested um I mean adults can too but children uh, young people have like different they're so and they'll sem- tell you yeah
0: that's tell not- you yeah you're yeah, yeah, inauthentic you you get it in both barrels very quickly
2: yeah, yeah for sure yeah. and I think that sort of needs to be taught because it because it is different and when I've seen adult mental health nurses not always but some adult mental health nurses say working for the first time with children it is it's an adult response and it's not the response that a child might need um and I think think I've, I've had this debate with some adult mental health nurses actually and they'll say oh you do too much hand holding in cams and it's sort of all kumbaya well they're children and yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so I probably would you know have a softer approach because a young person isn't probably going to come into mental health services if their life is just absolutely wonderful and there's nothing going on somewhere I'm not saying it's all mm-hmm. on the family or all on the school or all on anything there's something that isn't quite right and I don't know kindness it doesn't cost anything and Mm. it's it often has much better outcomes than if you're quite maybe harsh or straightforward the way you could be with an adult who knows their mind who's I don't know who's had life experience
3: Mm.
0: I do worry about people like they just need tough talking it's like the whole point of nursing is compassion if you don't have it go home oh yeah and (laughs)
3: You say
1: that too. I, I think one of the one of the weird things about the CAMS comment, as well, is that uh, I, I assume this is still the case. I don't do as much work uh, with the children and adolescent as I stuff as I used to. Yeah. But I know that the last Children's Commissioner in England, Anne Longfield, did uh, a review, a, a rapid review of CAMS, mm. and what she found out was that there's such a poor uh, amount of services out there. The demand that children had to be in such a high level of crisis to be able to access CAMS. So that kind of thing about, oh, it's a bit hand-holding. It's like, yeah, but you're hand-holding the people that are absolutely desperate for those services because they've had to get to that stage to be able to access them. So a, a, a bit of a, a weird one on, on that front.
2: But it, you're right. There are children who've said it's it's so awful. They've been on a waiting list for CAMS and they've taken an overdose and they've then said, but I'm, you know... I'm an a and now, you know, I'm gonna get that what I need. And but they had to, they didn't have to, but they felt that they had to do something extreme because they keep being told you don't meet the threshold, you don't meet the threshold for our service. Yeah. When actually these are the kids that you need to work with. They're not, okay, maybe they're not at the point where they're gonna take an overdose. Great. That's yeah, hope they never do. Um but yeah so that that is definitely that is definitely the case we have children
0: respond to learning cues and if what you're teaching them is you yeah. need to be in danger for us to care about you then they'll put themselves in danger and that's really frightening
2: yeah but, and, and and they do and when people say mm. oh it's only so superficial self-harm you're okay okay the next time just you can count on they're going to cut down to the bone and
0: yeah
2: why would you say it anyway and that, that, I think that's oh, something about that. the staff isn't it it's you know your own issues there yes, with
0: definitely going on definitely doesn't help the child i don't know why and to describe somebody who's so desperate they've they've yeah. they've cut their own skin as yeah. superficial it's a superficial issue i find it absolutely oh, it are me. incenses yeah, yeah. me i'm kind of pleased that i can still feel things at this stage of my career so <laughs> i really bothered about that
3: <laughs> so yeah 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 True.
0: so tell us a little bit about i mean obviously Dave touching on that about the acuity then because obviously that's changed with particularly even with covid
2: it has Mm. what a lot of I think you know the kids who were I think sort of say in year six going into year seven that kind of Mm. age group have really struggled because they didn't get a year seven or they didn't Mm. get a secondary school experience they Mm. made their friends online it that was one aspect of it that they've sort of said well I hate school because I don't Mm. know I don't know secondary school I don't it's different, they did it online, or if they didn't, they didn't do it at all, mm. um, and it wasn't monitored as as heavily as going into school, and I think the next part of that, which you probably see more mm. so, is that children were not allowed to leave the house, and if they live in difficult conditions or situations, mm. they have no escape, school yeah. might have been an escape, therapy might have been an escape, going to see their cat, nothing, you could mm. not escape, um, and so when we saw eating disorders just skyrocket, Um, with young people during COVID but also Mm -hmm. so does Mm self-harm
3: um
2: and I think we can't really say enough about what being locked inside your house for years essentially um has done for young people's development Mm -hmm. and that's when we say about you know a young people's mental health is their development it's developing into adolescence and developing into adulthood and it Mm -hmm. has stilted it um they don't feel as resilient they don't feel able Mm -hmm. to handle um change change actually i was going to say bad changes but actually just change i think it's far more difficult Mm. uh, because they weren't given the time like in year seven where you make friends you fall out with them you you experiment you they were they were just in in their house Mm. with their phone yeah it
0: was such a disorient disorientating time for everybody i think Mm. and 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 the people who you mostly think of actually had resources they had cash they had some choices but I yeah. think for young people that was experienced completely differently and also experiencing that time as an adult you knew that there was a time before and a time to come afterwards and I think with young people their perspective is foreshortened isn't it it's not everything is more intense because it's hitting for the first time
2: well that's they just this is life now this is mm-hmm. it um, who knows if things are going to change and, mm-hmm. and as I said you know before that's that was my first experience of um of being a nurse during I started in September and then I think lockdown was March right. um, and I remember there was no incentive for the young people to get better. Um, mm. I remember them saying to me, "Well, why would I? Why would I listen to what you're saying? I'm going to get any leave?" And I was like, "No, you know." And it's awful yeah. because that would be it's it's behavioural activation that we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We can there's incentives. There was no incentive. Can you see your family? You can see one of them for ten minutes once a week in a room down the hall, all in PPE. What is that? That's mm. not feeling. It's just there was no home leave. There was no. It, it really, really, really was was difficult and the young people i think deteriorated um, during covid whether they're inpatient or whether they're at home
0: yeah definitely definitely um and as well there was another thing which we wanted to talk about obviously that the the shape of services is changing so obviously service provision is continuing to 25 now in some places
2: a little bit about that it needs to be everywhere so hopefully um it's been sort of in the in talk in the you know hush hush talks for a long time people yeah. thinking CAM should be extended past 18 and I went to a conference a couple of months ago uh, I think it was with CUNIC and that was one of the topics about transitions mm-hmm. and uh, we had a sort of debate slash discussion at the end it was so interesting about whether CAM should be extended up 25 because a lot of services are trialing it um, and they had one service from up north and they were talking about how they had trialed it and you know how yeah it had been successful Mm -hmm. now I agree that cams services should be extended up to about 25 is what we're saying because I I just don't think and I think at 18 Mm -hmm. you don't wake up on your 18th birthday as an adult Mm -hmm. that might be the legal age but you know developmentally I don't I can't see how it's that much different to 17 or even 16 um at 21 I don't think I was making the best Life choice that I would make now at thirty-four, you know, and yeah. it's just such a harsh cut off as well. Mm-hmm. You'll be in—I've had a children, you know, on the it's awful on the the night before their eighteenth birthday, you know, crying on my lap,
3: mm-hmm.
2: saying, "I'm going to an adult unit tomorrow. What what are they going to be like? Why I don't want. To, I'm scared, and it's mm-hmm. gonna and it's so hard. I can't lie. It's going to be very different. It's not going to be. Yeah, it's not going to be this TAMS unit. There's not going to be. It's and it's heartbreaking because I know they're not it's the age stage, not age. They're not d- developmentally there to mm. be in the unit with, with adults. Yes. So there the are some of that have been delayed by being ill. Oh, a t- of course. And they've missed school. They've missed having friendships. They've missed yeah. all of that. Um, so there are some services, There's service as a service within my hospital, um, so psych oncology, um, mm-hmm. that goes up to 25. And so I've, I've been lucky enough, you know, to work with young people who are sort of 22, 24, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's so similar to how I'd work with older teenagers um and the benefit of an, a, a sort of I guess a cams a young people approach and the young practitioners who work with young people from what the young what they've said themselves has been so helpful and um, they yeah. want someone they can maybe relate to that they think understands them that yeah it's just it's a different approach and, and they really value it there were some people at that conference who were very quite anti it. Not it was a, it was a minority, mm. but they were quite. What's no. the
0: argument against it? Obviously, apart from the fact there's no beds for the people who are actually in them, but anything yeah. else.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. So, but well, no, they were saying no. 18. It was quite interesting. It was quite fixed. Um, mm. Adults is 18, and then maybe there could be a transition team from between 18 to 25, and then adults. You, you, they just didn't think that it should be cams until 25
0: okay
2: and okay i can i i i can see i can see it and i but i don't agree with it i can see it but i don't agree with it because uh, i still think it should be extended i think the cutoff is too harsh some services now are trying you know if you're not going to be kicked out when you're 18 they might hold on to you for another year or so until you're um settled,
0: at least in a different lifestyle at least,
2: yeah exactly not going from a unit to a unit to a unit to a unit, like I don't know how that's that's helpful. Kids need a bit mm. maybe. But yeah, I'm hoping I mean I hope it will extend in mm. all services, but I think that's the move, but it hasn't happened yet.
0: Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the idea that the, you could have a space with like a twenty five year old and an eleven year old on together. Oh I know. That is Yeah. It takes some thinking through, doesn't it? it?
2: It it does. And even even now when you have a seventeen year old and an eleven you know, and they if mm. they become friends and even then you're like <laughs> are you friends yeah what's happening (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. um so that is even safeguarding stuff on units as they are so never mind if it was a yeah a 25 year old and you would have to think about separating it but I worked at a unit um that was a a cams unit but they had three different wards one was Mm -hmm. for the children one was for the older children and Mm -hmm. one was hdu and that worked quite nicely so you had the sort Mm of 15 to 18 and then the sort of 11 to 15 and then it was the 15 was sort of dependent or was it 14 dependent on how on your own maturity um really there were some older 15 year olds and some younger um so that would um so it can work and i guess it's just about resource and whether whether people are backing it uh Mm. and think it would work yeah i
0: mean for, for my my part i would say the idea of getting someone settled into adulthood without feeling like they're being thrown out and then they'll just immediately rebound if they've they've not developed the skills and the support networks to to survive what do you think is going to happen just 10 times worse
2: yeah it, it makes
0: a fun. lot more sense doesn't it to to settle somebody with a team that they know and a way yeah. of working they're already familiar with
2: yep and especially the young people we see with sort of complex trauma or who are mm-hmm. so used to the feeling of rejection and then it's just another i've formed an attachment The person's helpful mm-hmm. to me bye you're an adult now
0: yeah, and becoming Ooh. an adult shouldn't be a punishment, should it? And exactly oh. what you were describing.
2: Yeah, kind
0: of takes us into one last sort of topic before we before we sort of finish up was that idea about self diagnosis and how people are negotiating identity at the minute. So let's just launch into yet another really big topic. Yeah. What are your thoughts, self- Kayla?
2: Self diagnosis is such an interesting. It's oh, I find it so interesting, and TikTok also has a place to play there. Mm. Um, so. If I just compare, this is again going to sound like an old person, but if I compare myself as a teenager in like early Mm -hmm. 90s, late 90s, whatever it was, to to now, I think I'd have been absolutely mortified if, and so would all my friends, if anyone knew there was anything that wasn't perfectly normal about me, or if there was any sort of flaw, um, if anyone knew anything that was going on in my life or family or mental, you know, no. Mm. Even i remember one girl having to go and see i went to a catholic school so the nun was like the counselor but anyway i had to go and i know <laughs> great practice <All> that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but had to go and see her and everyone was like oh my god you know whereas i think now we're at the other 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 end of the spectrum yeah and i think we need the middle of the, the spectrum so the other end of the spectrum right now is a young person who's who struggling their sort of profile would be i don't know say michaela bpd adhd asd bipolar complex trauma and i just think is that that's the so that is your identity that's the first thing you want people to know about you and actually you're 14 so do you have a personality disorder because i don't think you do you know and and they they probably read line okay or typed in how i feel i feel um i feel lost rejected yeah you're a teenager and actually same we we did um And there's a lot of young people. I think it's mostly sort of borderline personality EPD, that young people are self-diagnosing with, and Mm. I think is so unhealthy. You're not you're a child, so it's Mm. you can't even have that 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 diagnosis because your personality hasn't actually formed. So, Mm. um, but giving yourself that diagnosis without knowing what it means that that way as well,
0: and And you're everywhere.
2: Mm. that's my sort of worry with it and i don't think it's bad there's some really great young people that i've sort of followed who who are advocates and so there's like one young person i follow with adhd and autism they post wonderful material and it's so interesting everything they do but they're coming from a recovered
3: recovered
0: but you know they have self you understand yeah Yeah. informed yeah
2: yeah which is very different Mm. in the midst of crisis about what you think might be wrong with you um Mm. but then what I've said this to a young person and we were just talking about it and they'd sort of said, So when am I going to get my diagnosis then? Because the wait list for a um assessment is two years. They're right. Uh, true. Do you but then we went into discussion? Do you need a diagnosis? Mm. Would it be helpful? Would is it unhelpful? What is it about a diagnosis that's going to make you feel contained? And mm. for some people it does. Um and maybe again when you're a teenager and you want something to identify with, it probably would feel containing. I don't feel feel containing 10 years later when you have the label which it does become a label Mm. of unfortunately of of a personality disorder and a
0: self-fulfilling prophecy as well yes people respond to you as you as you signal to them and the signal you put out as a kid is is not necessarily that you want to be paying for when you're 25
2: well exactly exactly Mm. I think it's not
0: right it's not okay but it's also probably fact
2: it is fact at the moment I would I would love that to change because actually I think my sort of main interest is probably complex trauma personality disorder and that's and just trauma in general I'm really not gonna say I love it I don't love it I'm interested in it Mm
3: -hmm. um
2: so it's interesting then to me again how if if an adult turns up at A&E having self-harmed when I read the notes out of interest you know sometimes Mm -hmm. I just EUPD question mark and it's quite dismissive um Mm -hmm in the way that I don't think if a young person came in and showed me their cuts. Mm. I can't imagine, it's just different and it's maybe it's because they don't have that label yet I mean it shouldn't be a label anyway it's a diagnosis Mm. but we know it we know it is Mm. and people amongst healthcare professionals and um, until that changes I I just would hope young people would seek support for what they're going through rather than have to give it a name. Mm. it's four or five different the reason it's
0: complicated is four or five different things happening at once isn't it so it's a young person's search for identity meaning belonging those things are fantastic of course you should want those things and if you don't feel like you have the option to choose something it's maybe more mainstream it's understandable to go for something that actually gives you quirkiness the bleakness the something that makes people maybe take care of you a little bit yes that makes sense and then also looking at the system how Broken it is, and however stretched it is, it's also really smart and strategic to think I'll get my diagnosis in now. By the time I'm ready to to (laughs) pursue that therapy, it'll just be arriving. (laughs) That makes sense too, but it also feels really sad to me that you would have to define yourself by the things that have happened to you. Because as a young person, trauma is something that's there's not. You're not broken. The people around you or the situations around you are not right that's the that's the that's the problem it's a diagnosis that hits the individual but really what the problem is is that the, the lack of safety surrounding them and I yeah. find it really sad when people take that pain from outside and then make that who they are because that's not who they are
2: no it's not who it's not who they are and that's one mm. thing I always sort of say to young people usually when they're leaving or if they're yeah. or even if they're in the midst of crisis is that you know you can I can't yeah. promise you a lot, but I can promise you you can have a bad childhood and a good adulthood it is yeah. it's an absolute possibility um mm. it's not even a possibility it 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 will happen if mm. we everyone around you puts in the work and you put in in the work, which is hard mm. again, like you're saying, you didn't do this to yourself necessarily things have happened that have got you to respond in this way mm. um but I think in terms of hope, I think mm. young people need you to hold on to the hope they don't have the hope. they they might not have adults that actually have had hope for them or have Mm. responded in sort of appropriate ways
3: Mm.
2: they need you to hold it for them which can be like heavy but it's the right thing to do and it's sort of a worthwhile thing to do
0: Mm. i mean it's a really interesting time to be coming into cam's work from what you're saying you know everything is in flux everything is changing and how you and the next generation of, of cam's nurses secure that future is going to really make a huge difference to everybody working in mental health because your clients right now are tomorrow's everybody yeah. else's
2: yeah cams is not cams is the best and it gets bad rap <laughs> cams is the best because young yeah. people are they are fun they're funny you know there's things that they come out they yeah they, they are, the are fun you have it's mm. not never boring and I think not that it was boring but when I did my adult placements, like, like no one want to interact with me you know I'd go around and be like shall we do some artwork and they're like no can I go and leave I'm like ah um mm. but with you know I could there's so many ways you can engage a young person if you want to a lot of people mm. don't mm. but there's so many ways let's do karaoke shall we sing something shall we just go and sit in the sensory room there are so many these young people want and need someone mm. to be able to attach to in a healthy way yeah. um and you can be you could be that that person for them that can change their trajectory and absolutely it. it's life changing work it's life changing and I speak mm. to a few the adults now which is mad to me um that have reached out in really? adult doing so well in their mm. lives and yeah. who are in inpatient units who are very challenging and really unwell mm. and great ones becoming a mental health nurse one you know mm. um, and they do co-production with them yeah exactly and mm. you sort of you realize you see how your what you think is a small mm. actually changed their life so yeah absolutely I can
0: see we've come ah. a bit over time everyone sorry but we did tackle some topics tonight um, so let's just whiz around and see if there's anything that anybody else wants to add Dave is there anything you wanted to add you have no chance uh two
1: yeah two quick things uh the first one is Michaela mentioned earlier adverse childhood experiences and trauma uh, and next week, we've got Sarah Lewis, who is going to talk about trauma and attachment. Oh, and then the week after, we've got st- Steve Trenchard, who's going to talk about trauma and compassion as a framework for mental health nursing. So without knowing it, Nikki, your amazing skills at booking guests has come to the fore again. <laughs> uh, I think the other thing that I wanted to say was, I know, Nikki, you're always really keen that we try and end on some really positive messages. Oh, okay. One of the pulse. Yeah, one of the positive things for me tonight has really been how Michaela's spoken so passionately about mental health nursing and about mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that bit, into it, that often we can focus on the negative parts of work. We can get mm-hmm. sort of browbeaten and downhearted by it all. But actually just listening to Michaela speak for the last 50 minutes, it's really kind of, I'm sure there'll be people out there that feel really by it and really positive by it so you know you you absolutely fulfilled a great brief there Michaela so well done thanks thank good you. I
0: hope
2: so <laughs> <Enjoying> <laughs> hands. Is there anything you wanted to say before we finish Michaela it's not the law but if you want to please do I think we're good I think yeah I just ended okay. on that bit of hope
0: yes absolutely in that case everybody thank you so much for being with us tonight we've really enjoyed your company um We'll be retweeting resources and things like that. So do follow up on any areas of interest that you've got. And thank you all for your time. Take care and we'll see you next week. Good night. Bye. Good night.
1: bye night